good to be here. It's good to see you. I'm sorry it's cold again. I promise you, uh, we did have someone in here this week to fix the heat. They were here for f- quite a few hours, did a lot of work, and uh, still cold. <laughs> so that's awkward. But uh, we're here, and you know what? I mean, we can prove our toughness today by, um, you know, just being here in the cold. And sometimes as Southern Californians, we have to do that because the rest of the world don't believe it. So that we are capable of doing this. So we are capable. Um, Missing Christmas. This is the last in our series of Missing Christmas as we we move forward into the new year. And we've we've been doing these talks on Missing Christmas. But it's really not a new theme, if you think about it, just in life in general. The concept of missing Christmas or the fear of missing out has been something that's been around literally since the beginning, which is what we've been talking about, the beginning of when Jesus came, uh, the actual event, and then in our world. I mean, if you if you listen to Christmas music, if you watch um, any movies ever, I mean, a lot of them really center around missing Christmas. Um, even in our personal lives, there's been a lot about missing Christmas. I mean, just even talking about last year, you know, our very COVID Christmas. And, uh, it, like, people were in a panic when we started to have restraints on gatherings and things like that, that we were going to miss out on Christmas and it wouldn't be the same and all that. And it's like the world went into an uproar because no one wanted to miss Christmas. My children, um, Josiah and Faith, have missed very few Christmases with my mom, okay? It, it seems to be we were either living close or she would come visit us or we would come visit her. And there's only been a handful, maybe not even a handful, of Christmases in our entire life that they haven't been together. Last year was one of them. Um, she actually is here. You can't see her. She's invisible. I'm just kidding. No, she, uh, (laughs) once you get my sense of humor, you'll find me more funny. But it takes some time. I'm like a slow warm. (laughs) It'll get there. Um, She has actually, so pray for her. She is at home in our house right now. Um, She came. It was very exciting that she came. But she's hurt her back. So she's actually in a lot of pain. So I'm just believing that even through our little time of, of healing and ministry a few months ago, that uh, as she was watching online, that she just received a touch from, from God. Um, so, yeah, she actually was going to join me on stage, and we were going to kind of do something a little bit together. So instead, I interviewed her last night, and that's going to come a little later as I share. But um, since I've been a kid, since I've been raised by my mom and dad, I've been watching movies that center around the focus of missing Christmas. You guys know. I still watch them. You guys know the movies. Um, they're some of the favorites to watch year after year. And, and it's, it's things like Home Alone, 1 and 2, you know, The Santa Claus, Scrooge, The Grinch, you know, Elf. Like all these things about the fear of missing Christmas. So in honor of that, uh, we've put together just a few short clips. And we're going to watch them right now. Name? Christmas. (gasps) Merry Christmas? (laughs) There's Nicole. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? (laughs) What's that? Whoa, whoa! 
against the Grinch. Père Noël, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> the Grinch got a wonderful, awful idea. Where's Captain? Name? Santa Claus. <laughs> you stink. Your heart's an empty hole. Whoa. This guy was huge. You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. God bless you, sir. Bubble Italian. Your termites in your smile. And I'm singing. Hey! There's no singing in the North Pole. All right, let's give it up for the classics. I hope you've watched them all this year. If not, there's still time. There's still time. We have some technically till New Year's, so. Or if you're like me, you just celebrate Christmas all year long, so it doesn't even matter. But so on this last day of, of this Missing Christmas series, we're going to talk about King Herod. King Herod. King Herod. He, he actually referred to him as, as king himself, as king of the Jews, interesting enough. History records that Herod was a ruthless, cold-blooded ruler. The main reason Rome allowed him to continue ruling was basically his efficiency in collecting taxes. Let me read this historical news of this king. It says this, early in his reign, he had all the Hasmaneans murdered. They were the son of the Maccabees who had led a revolution against the rule of Greece. Herod wanted to make sure that they didn't do it again, so he simply slaughtered them all. Herod had 10 wives, 12 children. One of his wives had a brother who was the high priest. Herod was, Herod was so afraid of him that he murdered him. Then he killed his, wife, his sister, which was his wife as well. Herod's paranoia was legendary. He was afraid of his two eldest sons that they might take his throne, so he murdered them both. His entire life was one of plotting and execution. I mean, this is awful. Five days before his death, he had his eldest son killed for plotting against his throne. In one of the final acts of his evil life, he had the most distinguished citizens of Jerusalem put in prison and commanded they would be slaughtered the moment that he died. He explained, the people will not weep when I die, but I want them weeping. So even if they weep over someone else. This was a terrible human. The insight, though, in, into him gives us a backdrop for the panic he had when he heard of the wise men coming to find Jesus, to find the baby king. We've been working through the story. Let's pick it up in Matthew 2, verse 16. It said, when Herod realized that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. He sent soldiers with orders to slaughter every baby boy two years old and younger in Bethlehem and throughout the surrounding countryside based on the time frame he was given from interrogating the wise men. Like he had this planned out. The Christ child, Jesus, was everything Herod truly needed in his life. But his pride, 
his fear, his power, and his ambition blinded him to see it. The things that he lacked that made him this angry, unhappy man could have been and would have been resolved in welcoming this baby king. This is the savior of the world. This is the one thing that could fix his life. And I just imagine how different the world would have been if he had embraced King Jesus. What a world transformation. What an opportunity King Herod had. As the king, as the leader of the people, to have a transformation in his heart, to welcome Jesus, the world would have looked different. Now, we know that was not what was going to happen because of all the prophecies and things like that. I'm just saying, though, he had a choice. But instead, he wanted him killed. Joseph and Mary were warned by an angel, angel sent from God that Herod had a plan. And then they took Jesus away after being warned by this angel. Herod missed Christmas. He missed the Christ. He passed up this opportunity to meet and, and, and to come to know the king of all kings. To usher in, I believe, the greatest change it could have been by a human by ushering in the Messiah, by welcoming him, by being okay with whatever would be with his throne and letting King Jesus take his place. He could have been famous for his surrender instead of his slaughter. All because his fear that someone would take his throne, a fear that would never happen. Jesus wasn't going to take Herod off the throne. I mean, he was king of the world. It was <laughs> completely different. See, surrendering can be difficult unless you know the heart of the king. See, when you know my heart, I can, I can say anything to you. I can challenge you. I can encourage you. I can um, take something from you. And you're not going to be insecure about that. Because you're going to know my heart, that I would never try to compete with you. I'd never try to rob you of anything. But when you don't know someone's heart, there is a fear, there is an insecurity, there is a distrust and an uncertainty that comes with it. I believe that as we, as we walk this earth and as we, as we live our lives, there are aspects of King Herod that we sometimes take along with us and we walk them out. And we don't, we don't look at it ourselves like, you know, people slaughterers or, or, or evil, you know, intentions and things like that. But there's aspects of the fear, of the uncertainty, of the distrust, of the unknown that we can let itself attach to us and it can affect the outcome of a situation for our own lives and for other people. Because Herod could have changed on the inside by welcoming Jesus into his life, and he could have changed a whole lot of other people's lives by welcoming Jesus. And we're in the same situation. I also believe there's no life worth living unless it's full surrender to Jesus. 
Heidi Baker, if you're familiar with Heidi Baker, she's a missionary in Africa to Mozambique, and she is just um, just a beautiful display of surrender in her life. And um, I've sat under her ministry, and it is just the most warming yet challenging thing. Um, actually, last time I spoke when I told the story, I don't know if you remember, of uh, Whippany and Persnippany. <laughs> these are places in New York, okay? And um, I went out there for a conference in New Jersey and um, sat under Heidi Baker's ministry. And, and, and literally, if you've seen her, or, you know, she, she will just come on the stage sometimes and she just will just kneel and she'll just preach, just kneel. She, and she might not even look up once. And it's just like this overflow of just the beauty of what God's done in her life. And Heidi Baker says this. She says, we must give up all we are in order to possess all he is. We must give up all we are in order to possess all he is. She said that she, in one of her books, she said that she prays this prayer every morning. And I've been, since I read it, I've been doing it. A lot. I've missed some mornings. I try to remember every morning. She says, Holy Spirit, possess me today. And it sounds it sounds weird, you know, but that's that's her prayer. Holy Spirit, possess me. Come and possess every part of me. And then she just lives from that overflow through her day. Sometimes in life we pursue surrender, right? Am I right? Sometimes we're going hard after surrender. Sometimes life pushes us into it. Sometimes it's a mix of both. If my mom was here in the building right now, she was going to come and join me on the stage and share just a little bit of her journey. Um, if you didn't know this, I grew up in a pastor's home. Both my, my parents, I grew up in a ministry home my whole life. I was born into it. And uh, my dad pastored, my mom pastored alongside him for many, many years, and she pastored on her own as well. When um, I was still in college, uh, my dad got uh, sick. I got married. We got married. And then um, a month later, my dad died suddenly. Six days after he was diagnosed with cancer, he died. Uh, he was 52 years old. Um, this was obviously very shocking for my mom. Uh, here they are pastoring. I had uh, my brother, it was three years older than me. He had moved away. I was uh, in college. Um, and we had just got married and she, in one side of the country. And my mom lived in another side of the country, my mom and my dad. And they were pastoring a church together. Six days he was diagnosed and he dies, and now what? Okay. She said last night as we were talking about this untested, unfamiliar path, she said I was in the hospital with my husband dying. I was forced to surrender. I was sitting on the bench in the room crying. God, I just surrender it all. She said, I felt like my life had turned upside down. And if you guys have gone through anything tragic like that, sudden or not sudden, you know the trauma 
that can be associated with this. And in that moment, the hopelessness that you feel. My, my dad was there on his deathbed, and he looked over to her, and he said, what are you going to do when I'm gone? I mean, this is not something you plan. You know, when, you, when you're 52 years old, you don't think, well, I'm going to die. And, you, you know, as, as my mom, she didn't think, well, my husband will be gone. And they had planned their whole lives together from, from the beginning to the end, you know, the grandchildren, all these things. She did not picture, you know, um, many, many years without him. They were pastoring a church together. Now, now why? So we went, I, I went, uh, Craig and I went there. We were there the last couple days before my dad died. I was actually walked in the room as he breathed his last breath. And I remember because the silence was deafening. If you've been in a hospital room and someone's like um, getting assistant breathing, you know, and it's really loud. It's like, you know, the machines are really loud. And then um, when that last breath is breathed, it's like very quiet. And then there's just the beeping. And it's, it's, um, it's like all the air leaves the room. And I remember that moment and just the, this surreal feeling associated with it. So now what? We're there. We stay for a month to help my mom somehow, you know, find an element of normal, which everyone knows that doesn't happen in a month. Um, the church board of the, of the church that they were pastoring uh, asked if she would stay on and pastor the church. Okay, now, it, it sounds very flattering, but I mean, when you've been doing it with your husband your entire life, and now they're asking you to do it by yourself after you've just lost your husband, really cool, but also how? How do I do that? Well, she agreed. She agreed for a couple reasons. One, she's like, I need to be with my church family right now. The last thing I need to do is pull out a family in, in the middle of a tragedy. Um, and two, um, she just felt God say he was on this. So she did that. She said, the board asked me to stay. I knew it was the right thing to do to be with my church family. And I look back and think, how did I make it? But it was the footprints in the sand. It was him carrying me through. She did this for a year. One whole year she did it. We had to go back to college, so we left. She was there. My brother was uh, somewhere else as well, and so she was there herself. She did it. it was a tough year, but it was a good year um, of, of healing and, and working through all those first-year uh, events after losing a loved one. And then things shifted. She said, it was time to leave, and I felt it. But the board then offered me a six-year term to stay on as a pastor. I felt it was not the right thing, but time to move on. Another step of surrender. So here she is, been through this. A whole year has passed. It's been, it's been good. It's been bad. It's been easy. It's been hard. You know, all those things. And then she feels God say, okay, I'm calling you on now. It's time. There's a transition coming. But what was she going to do? What does a widow of, of a pastor, you know, of a church, what do, what do they do now? You know, like who, okay, this church was, they were willing to hire me. But who's going to hire me now? 
you know, what, what does this look like? Well, Craig and I, we were living on the other, this is Canada. We're, this is picture Canada. <laughs> this is where this is taking place. And this is the East Coast where she is. And we live on the West Coast. And she said, well, maybe, maybe God has something for me out there to be closer to, you know, to my daughter and my son-in-law. And I, I was um, pregnant with Josiah. And, you know, that, that would be an exciting new season of life. That being said, how many know that you can't make a move based on family? <laughs> because the minute you move, they can move on, especially us. Clearly, we did. <laughs> we are here. So uh, she had to take that to the Lord. Okay, if it's your will, I'll go. But if, if I'm not feeling God on it, if I'm not feeling you on it, Jesus, then I, I really can't make a decision purely based on that. She prayed about it, felt a peace on it, um, moved out. Um, to the West Coast with us and um, started a job at a, uh, a dream center uh, for women that take in um, just hurting, broken women that need assistance and help and things like that. And she started working there. It was just a really cool assignment for her life in this season. So she found that. She settled in. She began to build a life and uh, wasn't uh, long and we moved away. <laughs> So we actually moved uh, down here to San Diego, and she continued doing things. And then just like that, you know, as you begin to get settled into a new life, God's saying, okay, I want uh, to move you somewhere else or prompt you onto something else. And, you know, a life with Jesus is never stagnant. There's always new calling and steps of surrender. And she was doing this work at this dream center um, for women. And uh, how many are familiar with the L.A. Dream Center? Yeah, so she felt God say to go there, to quit her job, to go and volunteer at the LA Dream Center for six months uh, with no income, no nothing. She is a widow, okay? She, uh, this was a huge step for her. Like, God, how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to pay? Like, what is this going to look like? So she sold her house. She sold her house and hopped in her car and moved to L.A., I mean, big city, um, to volunteer for six months. She had no money. <laughs> she was alone. But she said, I wouldn't have traded it now looking back for anything. What a stretch. This was a pastor's wife, then a pastor for over 20 years. She had all the training, all the experience, all the education, and now she's cleaning floors, she's picking up trash, <laughs> she's, I mean, just doing serving at the LA Dream Center, sitting with the broken, the hurting, the lonely. Six months come and go, time for another move, what now? She hops in her car, she drives from Los Angeles to Toronto, Canada, and starts another job out there on her own at a women's teen challenge right there in, in the city and currently still serves in that ministry. This is such a small snapshot in my mom's life that I wanted to share with you because she is a testimony of surrender in the face of difficulty. It has been a journey for her. Um, it is something that we, as our family, can aspire to an example to follow. 
She had nothing familiar in front of her, nothing to count on in the natural. Everything she had planned had suddenly changed. And I asked her last night as we were talking this through and just kind of like realizing she wasn't going to be able to be in person with us this morning. I said, you know, what would your encouragement be? Because here we are, we're talking about King Herod. We're talking about how he was faced with a decision and he had an opportunity to to uh, operate back in fear and, and you know, like he did with the insecurity and things like that and just just like lash out in a fleshly way or he could have, he could have, not miss that and he could have embraced and and taken the challenge and taken a step of faith and trust and really had a transformation so what would your encouragement be as as people as us as as we are encountering change and difficulty and pain and sometimes good things and sometimes bad things but what would your encouragement be to someone faced with the decision to trust She said this, even though you're scared, to be honest, the only thing I know how to do is trust God. It's very difficult, but it's the only way. She said, I remember a time laying on the floor, hitting my arm over and over, saying, I don't know how I got here. But I trust you and help me to trust you more. Have you ever felt that? It's that old saying, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> when I was a kid, I never quite understood that. There was an old song um, that the Gaithers, if you're familiar with the Gaithers, uh, they used to sing, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I was like, I don't understand. If you believe, why do you have unbelief? You know? And as I grew older, boy, did I get it. <laughs> Faith of a child, right? You don't, you just believe. And as you get older, the doubts and the fears and uncertainty come in. I believe, but God, there's sometimes I just don't know. Help me to believe more. And then she said this. It's a total submission over and over. We sometimes take back our former surrender, but it has to be a continuous life of submission. She said, I'm blessed abundantly. I would not want to change any part. I don't always feel the presence in the middle of it, but I know he's always there. Maybe it's not just about Christmas, about missing Christmas. Maybe really what we're talking about over these last few weeks is about missing the Christ. You know, it's not about the holiday or the feel or the remembering that one event back 2,000 years ago. Maybe it's about, more about missing him daily, missing him in our future, missing him in our present, missing creating history with him, missing creating, you know, a, a beautiful future with him for us and for our legacy. I know that it can be difficult to surrender, especially when you have ambition or plans or goals. I know it can be difficult to surrender when you're dealing with sickness or disease or pain. 
I know it can be difficult to surrender when you have a loved one on their deathbed. I know it can be difficult to surrender when you're, when you're hit with something that you weren't expecting and now suddenly everything's changed or you've lost a child or you lost your home or I know it can be difficult to surrender when you have all the good things in the world and happening to you all at once and you're getting the promotion and the increase and all that and you're just like, well, I just, I'm just living the dream and creating the American dream. I know in different aspects of the spectrum, it can be difficult to surrender. But I know there's no life worth living but one surrendered. We can be so good at compartmentalizing. Jesus, you can have this part of me, but not this part. You can have my money, but not my time. You can have my parenting style, but not my entertainment interests. You can have my marriage, but not my eating habits. You can have my quiet time. I'll pray, I'll read, but not my surrender. But we miss it when we only take him partly in. Guys, he is just too good to miss out on. I promise you that you will never regret a life fully surrendered to Jesus. No one, no one gets to the end of their life and says, man, I wish I'd given less to Jesus. No one. There's people who say, I wish I'd give more. I wish I had done more. I wish I had spent more time in his presence. I wish I had focused more on his plan for my life. But no one says, I wish I had given less to Jesus. Why don't we stand as we close this morning? Don't get to the end of your life and wish you had done it differently. Let's pray. If you're here in this room or if you're watching online, this is your moment. We are ending a year and we are beginning a new one. And if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I've done it one way and I want to do it differently. I don't want to get to the end of my life and wish I had done it another way. I don't want to get to the end of my life and wish I had given more to Jesus or wish I had followed that prompting or wish I had said yes, but I said no or given more sacrifice and I lived more selfishly. This is your moment right now. This is your opportunity to make the decision today and then every day after to fully surrender, to say yes, to welcome King Jesus. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you would like to do that right now, I just want you to just to raise your hand so that um, we can see, I can see you here in this room or even um, they can see you online. If you're here and you have given your life to Jesus, but you feel like there's been ways that you've compartmentalized, and you're just like, you know what? In this new year, I'm just going to decide in this moment right now that I'm going to give it all. That I'm going to give it all.
dare you? To decide in this moment right now, to take this next year and fully surrender. One year and see what God will do. One year. I'm not asking for anything else right now. I mean, he's asking for it all. I'm daring you for one year to say, I will give it all. I choose you, Jesus, in these next 12 months. I will say yes every time you ask me to do something. I will give every time I have an opportunity. I will love more like you love. I will be more like you are. I will choose for the next 12 months to live a life of surrender. I dare you if that's you and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to jump. I'm going to jump. If I'm going to jump off a cliff, I'm going to jump into Jesus right now. Just go ahead and just raise your hands. And say, Jesus, I surrender to you. In this next year, I promise that I will live a life worthy of the calling that I have received on me. That I will not give you less than my best. That I will choose you every day. And that the days that I mess up, I will just jump back in the next knowing that you are so gracious to welcome me back. Jesus, come and do something in me this year as I commit to you that I never thought possible. Take me to places I never thought I could go. Give me dreams I never thought I could dream. Give me the courage to act. Help me build. Help me love. Help me give. Jesus, we choose you. Not in a moment of emotion of our flesh, but in a drawing of the Spirit of God to know that this is the time and this is the season and this is our moment right now that could change everything. Right now, I believe that God's going to begin, and just since he's going to begin to drop up visions and pictures in your mind. It's things he's going to um, ask you to do, places he's going to call you to go. So right now, I just release that. I just release it. Just release those visions, those pictures, those dreams. There's words. There's words coming in your mind right now. There's words. So some, some of you are getting full sentences, but some of you are just getting like single words. And it could be of a city. It could be of another nation. It could be of a, of a, a job or a specific thing that he's calling you to do. And it's just going to be a words. Maybe even a word of something he wants to do in you.
Some of you have been praying for specific people in your life. You've been praying for a long time for a, like a family member to, to know Jesus and to have a, a, a profound encounter with him. And, and he's, th- that person is coming to your mind right now. And that's because um, God wants to do something in them. So there's a call of increase of intercession to begin to continue praying, but even to a new level for that person. And that God's also saying, don't be afraid to reach out and ask them what's happening in their life. Is God doing anything? And there's been hesitancy on your part, but God's saying it's okay to do it now. There's someone here that's been experiencing disappointment. Because you had something in your mind, you thought your life or you, you were going to go a certain way. Even recently, you thought you were gonna, there was going to be a, a change for you, a good change, and it fell through. And you really thought that that would turn out. You really hoped it would anyway. And it didn't, but God's saying, I do have something better. And you, it's like you're like, yeah, I know he always does, but like he's, no, I really, I really do. I really have something better. So just be patient in the waiting because it's coming. It's coming. There's someone else you've been believing for something and you've been believing because you know by faith it's God's will. But you're like, I don't really know if it's going to happen. <laughs> like it might not. God's saying it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Don't be weary in your well-doing. For in due time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Come on, just take that. Everyone, if, if, you, if you wanted to receive that, just receive that right now. You will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Just say to him, I will not give up. I will not give up. <laughs> I will not give up. <laughs> he is faithful and he is true to a thousand generations. You are faithful and you are true to a thousand generations. We will not give up. We will not give up. We will see your promises fulfilled. We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We will see legacy coming up behind us. We stand on the promises of God. They are yes, and we say the amen. For not a word goes forth from the mouth of God that will return void. For he is faithful and he is true to a thousand generations. Jesus.
feel he wants to give some gifts right now. I don't even know what that means, really. But I just, I just saw, just in my, in my mind, I just saw a vision of people's hands just out like you're about to get your Christmas gift. Oh, like, thank you. And I just, as I saw your hands out, I just saw, I just saw the Spirit of God come in and just, just putting gifts in your hands. It's just like, just putting gifts. And as you begin to unwrap the gift, it's just deposited on you. And suddenly you just had something you didn't have before. So if you want a gift, just receive it. There's new levels. I just feel even a shift right now into a new level. You're like someone just opened a gift and you, 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 God told you what it was and you said, I don't know how to use that. He says, he's going to show you. Don't put it aside. Just daily find time with him and say, God, show me how to use this gift. And he's going to show you how to use it so, so well. There's intricacies to it. But he's going to show you how to, to, to fine-tune that gift. And it, you will be like an artisan with this gift. Flowing with the Spirit of God. Someone just got a gift that you've been waiting for. You always kind of hoped you'd get it, but you didn't know, and God just gave it to you. So just thank him. <laughs> yes. You know, on Christmas morning when you give your kids a gift and it's something they really want, they're like, yes, and then they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Someone's feeling that right now. You're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Daddy, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for that gift. I've been wanting that. Father, we just thank you for this time in your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. Jesus, we thank you that you came <laughs> as the Messiah child transforming the world. Pray that as we move on and into our week and into our year, that we would take every opportunity to embrace you, that we wouldn't miss you, we wouldn't miss what you have for us. that we would live lives fully surrendered to your call and to your plan.
come and possess me, all of me, for all of you. In Jesus' name.